This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Long Delithi Podcast. We are your hosts, Jacob and Thomas from Beacon. We're going to be breaking down our fourth record song by song and going in depth on the recording process and context behind the tracks. In each episode, we'll be highlighting some of our favorite sounds and loops and making them available as a free download on BandLab. BandLab is a digital audio workstation and social platform. You can go ahead, download the app, and head over to our profile to access the official sound pack. For this episode, we are talking about Pay My Debts. With this song, we talked a little bit in our interview with Tape Op about this song sort of existing a little bit distinct. You know, you're saying it was later in the process, and it's like, was I think it was just something that really existed as a sketch without a ton of arrangement added to it. It had the, had the beat and the progression. I remember sitting down to the piano, and it's a very, like, Uh, It's a descending line. I remember putting down the chords to this on top of Nightmare Shiver and it really clicking with the retro log, with the filter cut off down. And And part of the idea was to try and fit a fair amount of changes, a fair amount of movement, even though it's a very sort of like, it's a very simple and clean descending line. But in the changes, if you hear, it's actually bouncing between the chords quite a bit. And that's where some of the movement in the tracks, that's where some of the swing um, comes from. It's in those like little details of the chord changes. Which is miserable to play live. The <laughs> uh, demo when you first opened it up definitely had a lot of immediacy to it. Um, certainly, like hit me right away as like, oh, this is a this this track's kind of hitting hard. Even it was like I think it was just the piano bar and the, and the drums, but it immediately fell into this lineage of Beacon tracks. You know, like Marion. something that's like less dance leaning more of like a mid-tempo-ish groove but somewhat of hip-hop production to some degree the 808 um, sample like the 808s yeah like it, ha- it has definitely roots in that in that side of things you know without fully going there but um you know it well, has that our kind of, spin on it you know yeah it has that our, groove it definitely has that groove to it yeah it's you know it's what you're saying in the lineage of some of our other tracks it follows the same structure. You know, it's a more traditional songwriting structure. It's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, final chorus. You know, whatever that the iteration on that is, it's basically something that we've um, that we employ whenever the production is kind of taking us that way. It's not the other way around where it's like you sit down and the whole track was sort of like arranged that way to begin with. It's sort of like, okay, well, this rhythm is really lending itself to, or this chord progression is really lending itself to those changes. And I mean, 
What's interesting too, on top of that, and I think it's pretty consistent with the other songs we're referencing here, that you don't change. There's no there's no change in those chords throughout the entire track, actually. The instruments change, the production changes, but the, it's really about the vocal melody driving this thing, you know, the vocal melody changing and like, you know, it's a proper hook in the chorus. And um, the sounds like, are iterating around it, but yeah. But yeah, they're consistent. To me, there's two sides of, of Beacon. There's these tracks, you know, this and maybe I'm you or Drive. Escapements. Escapements, right. Like there's there's those songs that exist in the history of the writing, and then there's uh, Preserve or, you know, something, you know, more tracks that lean more towards Four on the Floor or kind of garage rhythms or something like that. But, but yeah, this song really exemplifies that world of the writing and the production for me. I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about in the Tape Bop podcast, it's another comment on the power of this retrolog synth, but other than the 808s, you know, we realized when we were getting ready to play this live that Jake plays this actual synth patch in from Ableton. It's like a, a plugin that's part of the live show. You're playing across three octaves. Again, not super fun. <laughs> yeah, but it's like there's so much, so much frequency information that these chords are bringing. Like it's the bass, it's the lead, it's sort of everything other than the vocals. And like yeah, the, they carry the kick drum. Yeah, it carries so much. So yeah, so why don't we jump into the sounds that we pulled out of this one for you to be able to use and create with. Something in the sky turns So this sample is the prophet. It is the, the bridge of the of the song. About halfway through, we move out of the VST world of these really upfront, noisy retrolog synths. What what comes in is the prophet, which is this really lush but almost kind of detuned patch. There's a LFO going to the the master pitch of the oscillator. So it has like this slight kind of quivering happening around the frequencies. By using Ableton in our live set, you know, this song comes to mind as one of the ways that we have been able to use the full range of sounds that we've implemented in the recording for live. And so, as we've said, the main nightmare shiver sound is being played via plug-in. There's a moment in the bridge when Jake transfers over to the Prophet, you know, to play this patch, which we're now giving as a sample. So... Yeah, it's just like one of those moments where you have to reconfigure your headspace a little bit for live, but it's like the Prophet is acting as a MIDI controller, and then it changes to an actual Prophet for a minute, you know, based on the routing in Ableton. Yeah, I think, you know, this is this is the first tour we've ever utilized VSTs live, probably for this song was where right. think, how this came to be, because it's, the main sound is so unique. To try to recreate it on a synth was maybe possible, but not something we really wanted to, to try to do. And we were like, okay, so maybe let's figure out a way to be able to play both VSTs and the hardware live. And yeah, this you know Ableton is allowing us to seamlessly switch internally, where it's taking a hardware synth to a controller in a, a split second. You know, it's immediately transferring over between the two, which you know really speaks to the power of Ableton as a live uh, live doll. 
The next sample is a loop. It is um, the hi-hat loop from this track. This one, I have such, you know, I don't really like have specific memories of a lot of writing, but this one, 100%, I remember just asking you, yo, can you do this? Can you like, it wasn't trap, but it's like, this needs a cymbal pickup. Please work your magic. I remember sitting on the couch where you're just like working through it, iterating it. And I was like, well, there it is that boom. And it's like that. It's exactly what it needed for that moment. It's like, again, it's our take on a, like a trap loop, but it's built from scratch. It's not a sample. It's you like literally dropping in those notes. And it's so, so complimentary, so perfect to the, the pickup the chorus needs. This is a good example of where you want, I think, a lot of shine in a hi-hat. We talk a lot about kind of taking that away in the last two episodes, you know, using things like Big Crusher or whatever to uh, to kind of soften the high end. But in, in this case, for that this kind of sound, this kind of effect, you really want to have something that's kind of shimmery and shiny, kind of short. You know, it is that kind of loop. It felt like it fit within the beat. I write a lot of hats, patterns with the uh, the beat designer in Cubase, which is which is essentially like a step sequencer um, for specifically for drums. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of hi-hat top trap loop samples out there, but there's a reason why we didn't use that for this part. It had to be catered to what the track needed. It had to be a sound that was, I mean, when you think of a trap hi-hat, it's one of the most recognizable sort of modern popular music production sounds, right? And so, yeah, I'm excited to get this one out there because honestly, it's more unique. It's us. It's what we had to do. They're fun to make. Yeah. The fun, fun patterns to make. For sure. So this uh, sample was called the Noise Arp Loop. It's a pickup in the chorus. It's, again, the retro log. The kind of key function of it is that it's mostly the noise oscillator within the retro log with a little bit of this saw wave added in on the high end. We're giving some background around the track. The chords don't change. You know, we move into the chorus section without changing chords. So, like, what what changes around it, right? The synths open up. There's dynamic changes. There's additive elements. This being one of them. I also think this is another beacon staple, right? The sort of pingy, arpeggiated. It's functioning like a percussive element, but it's um, it's loopy. And I mean, go back to escapements. something that we use as, a, as an element to pick up a moment. And I think that this was a perfect example of how it worked, but we really finessed this. It's not like a one size fits all, you know, of like, all right, just add the, the ping things. Like, yes, sir. I remember it, us feeling like it really can't take up that much attention. Like, it really can't, like, we don't. I think we were on the fence about keeping it in general. Yeah. You know, um, it's you know it's one of those moments where you you have to kind of walk away from a song for a little bit and come back a week later or something and see if it's still working because 
I remember now too. We were like, maybe the first course doesn't need it. The yeah, second course exactly, does, yeah, which right. I think is what we decided on. That right? is right. Yeah. Adding these, these subtle elements to make those changes feel really intentional and that they're supposed to be there. So this sample is the Beacon Vocal Air sample. This is like a little snippet piece of the tail end of the chorus vocal. So it has a few things on it. Once again, the Valhalla reverb. Also, it has the Sound Toys crystallizer, which is a granular delay. Um, it's, it's an effect we, we definitely use quite a bit in the studio. Usually, it's I think it's uh, something best used as a send. Kind of like cannibalize the sound where it, you hear it and I, you kind of know it's a crystallizer. If you apply it directly to the to the track itself, I mean, like you're saying, the crystallizer. I mean, it's definitely that goes back to the '80s. I think the crystallizer was based on the Eventide model that does this. If you put it on straight up and it does that sort of like granular pitch shifting thing, it's so immediate. I mean, it doesn't mean you shouldn't use it. It's just like it's more recognizable. It's really recognizable. It's effective. It right. can kind of be a little trendy sometimes, you know. I think when it's mixed with dry signal, it's more hidden in a way as an effect. You use it as a layer on top of the sound itself opposed to it kind of overtaking the sound. Right. So this is the vocal pitch sample, which I think is very much become an identifiable component of this track. So I'm excited to see how people use it. It's an accent mark on the production of the track, and I think it's really effective as a transitional element. It's also a melody that sort of is critical to the song, but it's never used as a lead. It's always used somewhere uh, creatively, like with this vocal. Sometimes it's pitched down, um, sometimes it's down an octave, sometimes it's up an octave. It's never just my normal voice, but it's as important as a melodic element to this track as anything else. I think one interesting part of the hook, the chorus hook for this track, is that it doesn't start immediately at the front of the bar. There's beats that come in and then the vocal hook lands. It leaves this space for elements like this and elements like the chop vocal. You know, something in the sky turns black, man. Something in the sky turns black, man. The fire, and it allows you to keep the melodic information to sort of like keep setting off little fireworks of music, you know, in, in your brain while you're listening without like basically adding in a whole nother vocal element or a whole nother lead vocal. It's probably the most identifiable as a sample. Like, you know, it's something right. that you would, I think, often find pulled from a record or pulled from a, a source that like you, you chop up a little bit. Like you're saying, it's this uh, kind of ear candy thing, you know, put in the into the larger scope of the, of, of the groove. So that was episode three, Pay My Debts. Be sure to tune in for the next episode for I'm The Answer, where we'll be going over the samples for that track and uh, stories behind the recording. Thanks. When you need 
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.